The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for the podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast and co-founder. Today's episode is episode number 352. Just a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating. The reason for this is that when people are looking for help with addiction, then they'll find our podcast. And that's what we're all about is telling them that there is help available and there's hope. Also, please go to our YouTube channel and give a thumbs up on our videos and subscribe and ring the bell so that you get notified when we have a new video. Last but not least, please check out our Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, and there's also a link in the video. If you're watching the video, not a link, you'll see the URL in the video. But this is just so that we can keep it going. We have been doing this out of the goodness of our hearts for seven years. We're going to continue. But if we could get a little bit of contributions from other people, that would be helpful. So today we have an interview with a gentleman named Raybon Shal. Raybon is a native Floridian. He was born and raised near us in Sarasota. He uh, joined the Army, and he was in for six years so that he could use the GI Bill for his college. After the Army, he got a Master of Science in Electrical Engineering and went to work for a German company as a drives and controls engineer. At the age of 47, this organization was purchased by a competitor, and the engineering and manufacturing was relocated to Mexico. He didn't want to go to Mexico, so he retired. And it was at this point that he developed a severe addiction to alcohol. He spent years battling this addiction. He would do well for a year or two and then spiral out of control and wind up hospitalized. He continued this roller coaster for 10 years until finally one day in the hospital, a friend told him about the Narconon program. At first, he wasn't interested because he related the name Narconon to narcotics and he was never a drug user. After he spoke to someone at Narconon, he was convinced the program could help. Now, not only is he sober, but he also has a meaningful purpose in life. He's the director of intake and registration at Narconon Suncoast, where he has the opportunity every day to change someone's life, just as his was changed. I love this. Let's talk to Ray Shaw. Ray Shaw, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, tell us, just tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, what, you know, your childhood was like, and, you know, eventually what led you to your drug of choice. Um, but, but take us back and tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, uh, I'm actually a native Floridian, or many of us around, or at least they don't admit it. Um, I had a relatively typical Floridian childhood. I was born actually in Bradenton, Florida, but I was raised in Sarasota, Florida. So I spent uh, my whole childhood just like a typical Floridian would outside of school hours. We were running around in the woods, finding fishing holes and swimming ponds to go recreate in all day long. But that, you know, back in the, uh, to date myself a little bit, back in the, the 60s and the early 70s, uh, most of Sarasota was woodland, so there were plenty of places to go find it, to stay out of trouble, and go fishing. We we just we lived in the water. I mean, that's pretty much what we did when we were growing up. Um, as a teenager, 
Sarasota was pretty much still not the place it is now. Mm. So there was a lot of riding dirt bikes around in the woods and still finding fishing holes and swimming holes that were further away because we had motorcycles. And uh, we spent a lot of time doing that. And it was actually a, a great lifestyle. You know, we, we worked, uh, being a native Floridian, you don't spend a lot of your time at the beach. Right. You don't. You spend Even though we have the most beautiful beaches in the country, we don't go there. I know. Yeah. Sarasota is well known for their white sand beaches, but I don't like sand in my shorts and I don't like sand in my car. And I'd much rather swim in a freshwater swimming hole. There you go. Obviously, once I got a little older and uh, started boating, then we'd spend our time offshore, but we never really spend any time at the beach. That's just not what you do when you're growing up here. <laughs> and then uh, you know, I, I graduated from Sarasota High School in 1982. At the time, it was uh, an old brick building on Highway 41 in Sarasota. Now it's a museum. They wow. actually moved the school, but left the old high school there as a, a museum, a monument in Sarasota. So huh. anybody can still go visit it. And I think that... Uh, is there? Did you write something on one of the lockers that if we go back there, Ray, we can see where you wrote Ray was locker here? Locker number 42 on the second floor. So okay. That, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I wrestled and played baseball all through high school. And then immediately after high school, I joined the Army because that's what my family did. My father was an Army lifer. My grandfather was an Army lifer. I wasn't. I did six years. And really, the only reason I joined the Army was so I could use the GI Bill to go mm -hmm. to college. Because at that point in history, our family was so poor, we couldn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I, I joined the Army just to be able to afford to go to college. Well, thank yeah. you for your service. Oh, you're welcome. Um, then after I got out of the Army, I went to college. I, I did my uh, undergrad at the University of Florida, and I went off to do my master's degree elsewhere. But I, I finished that, which was a pretty long process for me because I had to, the GI Bill only covered half of my education, so I mm -hmm. had to work my way to pay for the other half, and I did that by erecting steel. I built radio towers. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty much uh, in central Florida and on the Gulf Coast. Any radio tower you see that's over 200 feet tall, I'm sure I was involved in. I was the, I was the actual climber. I'm going to say Ray did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did the one right in our backyard out here. There you go. Uh, about 40 years ago or 30 years ago. But I did that for quite a while. I got hit by lightning once building a tower. Oh, my goodness. So that. What did that, what, what, what was, I'm mean, not, what was it like, but what were the results of that? What happened? Well, I was, uh, I was actually, I wasn't building the tower. I was replacing an antenna that had been lightning damaged for the Manatee County Sheriff's Department. And we were out near the shoreline and I had my back to the water and my ground man was in the transmitter shed doing some work and a storm came up pretty rapidly right behind me and I could, I didn't see it. My ground, ground man was in the, the uh, transmitter shed, so he didn't see it coming either. Oh, and wow. literally, the first bolt of lightning that came out of the sky struck the ground about a mile away from me, but a finger off of that bolt reached over and hit the tower that I was on. Oh, my goodness. But fortunately, I wasn't touching the tower at the time, but it did arc through my steel-toed boots, and it burned all the hair off my body everywhere. Oh, my. It took my. about nine months for my hair to start growing back. Oh, Wow. 
Yeah, you're, I, I think you were relatively lucky. Yeah, extremely lucky. But yeah. I thought at that point in time that I had uh, actually experienced a natural uh, electrolysis because I didn't think my hair was going to grow back. <laughs> I had no eyebrows, no hair anywhere. Oh, my. And I was a smoldering mess by the time I got to the, back down to the ground. But I was lucky that I wasn't touching the tower at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So after I got out of college, uh, I went to work for an electrical engineering company for just a brief while. And we did a private job for a German company. Okay. Um, my specialty was designing microprocessor control systems. Okay. So they built, they were building a high speed document handling machine that had seven different components that all had to communicate with each other at a very high speed, which was very slow to what we have available now. But then it was pretty fast. Huh. And nobody thought it could be done. But our company, uh, the CEO of our company said, we can do it. And we did it. They came over for the acceptance test and were really, really, really impressed with the technology that I used. And they took me out to dinner and they hired me right on the spot. Nice. Right out from underneath my employer who was <laughs> at dinner with me. Oops. <laughs> and I wound up working for them for just a little over 23 years. Okay. Where I'm traveling all over the world. But uh, even at that point, you didn't have a problem with alcohol, right? No, I mean, because, well, you know, when I was in... In the service, you know, you, you need to have your wits about you. Yeah. And and in college, that, that education was so intense that there was no way that I had time for anything but that. Right. And then traveling all over the world, you know, believe it or not, in the 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 late the nineties, the mid nineties, and the two thousands, there's a, there are a lot of countries out there that are not necessarily friendly to Americans. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today. And say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash BIT dot LY slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. I always was in a position that I had to keep my wits about me. Right.
So, uh, and then I worked for them for a very long time, and they divested the, the part of the corporation that I worked in. We got purchased by another one of our competitors, who then moved that part of the company to a town a, a little southwest of Juarez, Mexico. Okay. There was no way I was moving to Juarez, Mexico. Okay. And I had a condo in Germany, but I was rarely ever there. Uh -huh. I was always somewhere else in the world, but that was my landing spot. Whenever I got done with the job, that's where I'd go back to. I did not want to have to go back to Mexico. All right. So, so where did you land? Place, where did you go? Excuse me? Where did you go then? Well, I, I retired from the company because I'd been there for over 20 years. They offered me retirement. Okay. And so I came back to Florida. Oh. I think came back to Florida and uh, then I had nothing to do. Yeah. I was retired. I wasn't working. And, you know, my uh, a friend of mine had a favorite expression that idle minds are the devil's playground. And mm. that proved to be very true for me. So at that point in time, I was 47 years old and I literally had nothing to do. So I took off on a boat and I went to the Marquesa Islands. And I stayed there for about nine months, and that's where I started drinking. Okay. And uh, I started drinking pretty heavily because I didn't have anything to do. Wow. And so I, after that nine months, I, of which I, I remember about three, <laughs> I know I was there for nine months because of the calendar. Right. But uh, I figured I need, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. So I made, made my way back across the Pacific wound up off the shores of Monterey, California. How I got there, I don't even remember. Mm. And so I cleaned myself up. Were you on off. a boat with others? Were you? Oh, I was by myself. You were by yourself. What kind of a boat were you on? Yeah, a 41-foot sailboat. Okay. Which is small compared to the Pacific Ocean. I was going to say, just drinking and sailing across the Pacific, you're lucky you made it to California. Well, I wasn't trying to get to California. I oh, mean, I I wasn't trying to get to Monterey. I was trying to get to Hawaii. Oh, you missed it. <laughs> Way missed it. And uh, they found me drifting about uh, two miles offshore. The Coast Guard came out and said, you know, what are you doing? You've been drifting out here. We've been watching you for three days. <laughs> Just drifting out there drinking, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, they got me back to shore. <clears throat> I got myself cleaned up and uh, came back to Florida. And uh was pretty good, pretty good for about a year and a half. And then for literally no reason whatsoever other than boredom, I started drinking again. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at the addiction podcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five star review. We appreciate you listening to the addiction podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, 
no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash B-I-T dot L-Y slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. Wow. Had you married or had were you in a relationship? I was married uh, back in the 80s and early 90s while I was working. Okay. I have two wonderful sons from that marriage, but I haven't been married for quite some time. Got it. Um, not because of alcohol abuse. Well, actually, I'm sure that probably had a lot to do with it. But, Might have. Um, so I made it back to Florida in 2012. Okay. 2012. And uh, I would do good. I would do real good for like a year, once or twice, two years. But I'd always wind up drinking. And when I mean drinking, I'm not talking about having a cocktail after dinner. I would just start and not stop until I wound up in a hospital somewhere. Wow. And, uh, and in the hospital because you'd blacked out or because... I'd start having seizures. Seizures, okay. I'd black out, and one time I had a seizure in a Publix. Oh, and, my. Uh, yeah, in a Publix liquor store, no less. So, you know, after that last time, um, I, I woke up. I'm, at this point in time, I'm 57 years old. I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Even my doctor is like, you can't do this anymore. Right. You're not going to survive this again. And so I had a friend of mine that knew of Narcona. He said, I want you to check this program out. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not a drug user. I've never been a drug user. And he said, Narconon does not mean drugs. Two, two words, two, narco meaning drugs, non meaning no. And what that means is they don't use drugs to get you out of your addiction. Non-medically assisted treatment. Right. So I called him up. I talked to the executive director. And uh, I, he came and picked me up from the hospital and brought <laughs> me straight here. He did not want me walking out on the street, didn't want me getting in a car, didn't want me doing anything but coming straight here. So uh, I came into the program here, and it completely and totally changed my life. Now, let me let me just stop you for a second, Ray, because I you were familiar with Narconon, and we we had a co I had a co-host from Narconon first about a year and a half. And one thing I know about the program is that because of the dangers of just like stopping alcohol, sometimes Narconon has to send people suffering from alcohol to a hospital. Now, did you have to do that or had you kind of already done that? Well, I was at the hospital already. So, so I had already dried out kind of. Okay. Yeah, but you're absolutely correct. Alcohol and opioids, mostly alcohol, are the only things that you can die from if you don't medically withdraw from them properly. And benzos, right? And benzos, yeah. Right. Sorry. Right. I'll call them benzos, but alcohol is the worst of the bunch. You know, people tend to disregard alcohol as an addiction compared to the street drugs that are available. But it is because physically. it's legal, but the effect legal. on the body is heavy duty. 
I would say the effects of long-term alcohol abuse is not that much different from um, heroin in terms of what it does to the body. Right. But uh, fortunately, I had already spent uh, six days in the hospital. They weren't going to let me go. Mm. I mean, because I I had really good private insurance. So they wanted to make sure that I was stable and healthy. And on the sixth day, finally, I said, look, I'm going into a treatment program. <laughs> I told the doctors, who had five different doctors. I told the doctors which program I was going into. And they said, okay, then we'll release you. That they're coming here to pick me up. So <laughs> they were as concerned as, as uh, my friends were. They didn't want me to leave until I was healthy. But you're right. I mean, I've sent people to medically detox before from benzos or from alcohol. Right. Now... Ray, did you still have to do the detox step, the withdrawal step, not detox, the withdrawal step at Narconon? Did you still need to do that? I did because um, that's the program's way of evaluating your stability. Ah. Um, because I'd already been in the hospital for that many days, that withdrawal step was very abbreviated for me. Right. Because I wasn't actually withdrawing any longer. Right. But, but the hospital uh, doesn't necessarily put um, vitamins and minerals into your body. They help you get yeah. down, but that's what that's what the withdrawal does, right? Right. The withdrawal, the first thing that happens in the withdrawal process is they put you on a regimen of high-grade, totally organic vitamins to replenish what alcohol and drugs deplete from your body. Because anybody with an addiction would be lying if they told you that they were eating healthy. Right. And taking vitamins. Yeah. yeah. So they you know, put you on a, a vitamin regimen and then the the, uh, the staff, the nurses, and then uh, the doctor, they monitor you 24-7. And they, they do a couple different things, actually. They, you know, they take your vitals to make sure that you're stable physically. They want, monitor your eating habits and your sleeping habits. But they also talk to you. They take you out on walks. They talk to you. They do things to help a person withdraw as painlessly and as rapidly as possible. And they're, they're talking to you to keep you out of your head so you're not thinking about using or drinking again. Right. So for some people, depending on what their drug of choice is, that process can be a couple weeks long. Right. Right. After that point... Um, you go into what we call our new life detoxification part of the program. So the withdrawal and the new life detox are addressing the physical aspects of addiction. Because what a lot of people don't realize, particularly uh, drug users, is a lot of those drugs are not processed completely by your body. So some of those residuals stay resident in the fatty tissues in your body. And I don't care how fit a person is, how skinny, a person is, they still have fatty tissues in their body. And those drugs will remain resident in there. And then anytime they get excited, aggravated, upset, their metabolism increases, their heart rate increases, their blood flow increases, it pulls those, resi those residuals out of those fatty tissues back into their bloodstream and they start re-experiencing the effects of those drugs. That's what generates cravings. That's what will cause a person to relapse. So what the new life detoxification part of the program does 
is they stay on that vitamin regimen that they were on in the withdrawal process. They do a little bit of light exercise in the morning uh, before the sauna, and the object of that is not to make them sweat. The object of that is to get their heart rate up and get their blood flowing and pulling those residuals out of their fatty tissues into their bloodstream so when they get in the sauna, they sweat them out. So, I mean, that by the time you're done with the sauna detox part of the program, uh, you feel better. You feel as good as you did before you ever started using drugs or alcohol because right. your body is completely cleansed of all those impurities. Right. From what I know, and I'm not, I don't have my own history of, of uh, uh, substance abuse, but from what I, my understanding is that whole detox and the way the withdrawal is done, that's a game changer. That's not found anywhere else but Narcanon. That's correct. And, and I know that we've had so many people on this podcast and they've done 12 step and they've done, they've gotten off drugs in prison and they've done this program or that program. But to me, the whole detox part of the Narcanon program is really a game changer. It absolutely is. It's, it's actually crucial because if you don't get those drugs out of your body, you can re-experience the effects of those drugs years later. Yep years later and i mean if you don't get them out of you you're going to be under their control yeah i mean we all heard about lsd flashbacks but this isn't lsd this is this is anything that can lodge in those fatty tissues yeah i mean uh, i was exposed to in my work with uh the company that i worked for for so long a lot of the work that we did was uh in in semiconductor manufacturing and in petroleum industries in uh in the semiconductor manufacturing industries uh they use a lot of pretty caustic chemicals one of them i was exposed to was a chemical called methyl ethyl ketone commonly referred to as mek it's an extremely flammable uh, chemical it is a very low flash point and i was exposed to that just constantly because it's used in a variety of different manufacturing processes. The, the last job I did uh, made an automated machine that made Band-Aids. And you, they used MEK to, to thin and dilute the adhesive on Band-Aids. Huh. So I never really thought that much about it. But when I was doing the sauna detox, I was sitting in the, in the sauna sweating, and all of a sudden I could start smelling MEK. Oh. very strongly i mean to the to the point that the other people that were sitting in the sauna with me left and went into the sauna next to me <laughs> moved left the premises so i'm sitting in there by myself i'm like man i can i can smell that mek coming out in my sweat and then it dawned on me i'm sitting next to a heat source yeah and i'm sweating out mek so i immediately bailed out of there and went to the shower and washed it off <laughs> and then went back in but that's a, that's a chemical that I never would have expected would still be resident in my body. Right, right. So that 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 part of the program it really gets all of the toxins out of your body. Right. What What did you experience in terms of alcohol? Did you Did you have experiences in the sauna with so, what you knew was um, alcohol? Oh, of course. Yeah, like, but alcohol. Like, Give me an example. <laughs> okay, I mean, I could. I I was a bourbon drinker. Okay. So you know, for probably the first week in the sauna, all I could smell was bourbon because oh. <laughs> I was sweating it out of me. 
Yep. Okay. And I was of the mindset at that point in time that, okay, <clears throat> alcohol is not processed like, like food or other beverages. It's largely absorbed through the linings in your stomach and your intestines into your bloodstream. It's not digested like you would think food is. Right. So I'm thinking, well, it's alcohol. It's not going to be resident in any fatty tissues in my body anywhere. But I was mistaken. It was because literally for the first week, I smelled like a brewery coming wow. out of the sauna. Wow. So, and, 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 and the whole detox program is overseen by the medical staff and such, is right? Absolutely. I mean, there's a sauna in charge, which is trained on the sauna process. And then our, our MLO, our medical liaison officer, which is a registered nurse, oversees that process. Okay. So she's got literally that person is going back and forth between the staff in the withdrawal unit and the staff in the sauna unit just to make sure that if somebody is sweating out something that is adversely affecting them, then there's medical staff present to handle that if necessary. Right. And I can I can see how that might be, you know, depending yeah. on what the drug of choice was and how long they used it. So Okay, so presumably you feel really, really good when you're done with the detox, and that, but you're not done with the program. What happens next? Not even close. I mean, by the time I was done with the detox, I felt like I was 30 years old again, full of energy. And the, the good thing about you get done with the detox, your mental clarity is back. Hmm. And so the next part of the program is a series of course room objectives. And the, the point of the objectives is to get one to learn to stay and live in present time. You're living in your of right here, right now, not in the past, because a lot of addicts and alcoholics are stuck in the past, and they're drinking or using to mask some something that happened to them in their life, or perhaps something they did that mm -hmm. they want to forget about. Mm -hmm. So the, the purpose of the objective courses is to get them out of the past and into the present time. Because uh, if you're living in, if, you, if you're in something, you can't see it. Kind of like the old expression, I can't see the forest through the trees. Yep. If I'm in a forest, all I see is trees. I don't know I'm in a forest. Yep. If I'm in the past, all I see is that, and I don't know it. So if we get them to step out of the past into present time, then they can look at the past and see what went wrong. Right. So, you know, that's a, a pretty lengthy process, too. That's three or four weeks of, of that curriculum to get people to, out of the past and into the present so they can look at their past, identify things that they need to handle, something that went wrong mm -hmm. or something that happened to them. So it comes out on the table. And this isn't somebody sitting there telling them telling a person this is what happened this is what you did this is what they did that and this is how you need to feel about it and think about it right yeah. that never will work right i mean if i if i told you you need to do this you need to stop doing that you wouldn't listen to me until you realize for yourself yep so that's what the objectives course is all about getting a person out of the past into present time so they can look at it and they can see for themselves what went wrong Right. And then they work with their, their case supervisor to handle those issues and put them behind them permanently so they don't ever have to think about them again. Yeah. Almost very more like a, a mental and spiritual detox, if you will. It is. The, the, that part of the program 
and the last part of the program are about you've got the first the first part the withdrawal the detox to handle the physical aspects of, of addiction and then the other parts of the program are handling the the emotional and mental aspects of addiction right so, so what comes after the objective course what comes after, after the objectives courses are a series of life skills courses and this basically courses that are uh intended to give you skills to live your life drug-free moving forward or alcohol-free moving forward so you never think about resorting back to that there's basically uh three different courses there's a uh, understanding life's ups and downs which is about identifying good people in your life with good situations. And what did and you discover I, when you did that? Well, I just, I had to disconnect from a few people, uh. Uh, but you know, there were people that I needed to, mm-hmm. because when I look at attitudes and behaviors of people, okay, every time I see John Doe, all he wants to do is go out drinking. Right. Okay. So I don't want to see John Doe anymore. It wasn't that good of a friend. If right. all he ever wanted to do was get drunk. Right. But it did help me identify who the who the positive and important people in my life were. Right. And they believe it or not, for me, they were some of them were people I hadn't spoken to in years. Mm. And it was because I was drinking too much and I didn't want to didn't want to hear their crap. I didn't want to put up with them telling me that I need to change. Right. So did I you mean, reconnect was, with those people? Of course I did, yeah. Cool. And then some through them, I connected with a whole bunch of other great people. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And then, you know, after the uh, Understanding Ups and Downs course, there's a Personal Values course. That's where you're going to, that's where they sit you down and you realize for yourself, you address any past sins or transgressions or whatever you want to call it, anything that you've done that you need to correct. Right. Anybody that you've hurt that you need to reach out to and, and correct, you know. Uh, what's the word for it? Make amends. For there you it. go. Make amends. Yeah. Make amends for it. And, and and maybe somebody that has injured you emotionally that you want to reach out to, to let them know. Like when I did that part of the program, there was somebody that I thought that I had hurt. And I reached out to that person to make amends for that. And she said, oh, I didn't even care about that. But you know what you did do? She she brought up a whole other issue that I didn't even consider. <laughs> oh wow! But you know that's important, though. I mean, it's important to but, get those out on the table. Yeah, and when and when you know it, then you can take responsibility for it, apologize for it if you need to, and move on. So that's, that's good. Exactly correct. I mean, that's, that's really where good. the life skills part of the program addresses that directly. You have to confront the things that you've done. You got to own them. No excuses. You just need to own it and you need to deal with it and and make up for it if you can. Yep. Not always can you. Sometimes the damage is too much. Yep. So. Yep. Well, you've got a shirt on there that says Narconon. Yeah, that's because... Um, what happened to you when you were done? Well, the third part of the program is, uh, is uh, changing conditions in life. And at the end of that, you develop your exit strategy. Okay, well... Um, when I when I retired from the company that I worked for to earn money, I would train electricians to get their journeyman certificate. And the lubricant of that industry is alcohol. Uh, Any of the trades, electricians, you know, that they, they get done working and they sit around drinking. So, okay, I'm not going to go back to doing that. 
with my skill set, I can find work anywhere. But I need to find work that is going to keep me away from people like that. And then um, the executive director here said, you know what? You have a personality that you can talk to anyone. <laughs> Would you consider coming on staff here? I, I did consider that immediately. I was like, well, doing what? So now I have the uh, great fortune of being the director of intake and registration here. So I get to talk to people every day, all day, families, addicts, their families, to try to get them the help that I got to bring them into the program here. So I work at Narcan on Suncoast now as the director of registration and intake. That's great. That's yeah. great. So you, you are no longer bored. You have oh. found a better solution to what to do with your time now well, that you I'm have gonna... it. And, you know, the fact that you are helping other people is absolutely huge. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, uh, it actually, it did something that I didn't expect. Um, I mean, with my skill set in engineering and electrical, I can get a job anywhere, anytime. Right. But I found a job that has, that gave me a new purpose. And it's a very fulfilling purpose when I can get somebody in here to get them the same help that I got. And I can watch this program change them into a productive member of society. That I must can just watch be... them reunite with their family members and see that wow. all happen. That must just be wonderful. It is. I, it is. I know when we would go to uh, the graduations of some of one of the students finishing the program and just to see the effect, not only on them, but also on their family was really something else. Yeah, that's very fulfilling, particularly when their families come to the graduations and, the, and they tell me and they tell the other staff, this is the person I remember. This is the person that I used to know. I'm so glad to have my son, my daughter, whoever back. Yeah. Because that person that you met when she came in the door is not who I knew. Exactly. It's very rewarding. Exactly. Um, I understand, changing the subject just a slight bit, that you all now are able to service veterans? That's correct. We, uh, we went through the uh, painstaking process of becoming a community care provider for the Veterans Administration. And what that means is a veteran is seeking help that the VA cannot provide. There's other criteria, too, like if you're more than a 50-minute drive away from your local VA facility, you can go to one of the approved community care providers. Right. Or if, if you offer a service that the VA does not, which we do. Right. We have a holistic treatment program. We do not do medically-assisted treatment. And uh, so we went and, through the process of being certified with that. Yeah, and I am super glad about that because – we continuously get emails from people who would like to be on the podcast who want to talk about using hallucinogens to treat PTSD in veterans. And I, I, I don't answer those emails because my answer would be not nice, but the fact that they consider using hallucinogens to treat PTSD I mean, a lot of these guys are already on drugs. And so I'm not saying that you guys are treating PTSD, but the drugs come after that. And there you go. 
Well, that's very true. And, you know, historically, um, as I've been told by many veterans that have got help from the Veterans Administration, it's always psych medication that they give them to help them with addiction. Yep. And if a veteran goes to, they still have to get, we still need to get a referral or a Mm -hmm. pre-authorization from the Veterans Administration. Yeah. But, you know, I have a, a gentleman headed out here from the West Coast right now who went to his local VA there and said, I do not want medically assisted treatment. I want holistic treatment. This program, they are a community care provider for the Veterans Administration. I want to go there. Wow. And they still have to do a psych evaluation with the VA mm-hmm. in order for the VA to give us the referral. But we at least got on those lines and we have had uh, veterans come through the program since then. Nice. Thank you so much for doing that and for staying the course and getting certified and credited or whatever you had to do to be able to do that. Because if anybody deserves the type of treatment that you guys do, it's the veterans such as yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I, I go to uh, events for the veterans all over the community all the time. Just uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Awesome. I was at, no, it wasn't yesterday, it was Friday. I was at the, uh, the Citizens Commission for Human Rights mm. doing a small seminar there for veterans. Nice, nice. I love that. You need to be on some boards You need because you're a veteran. They need to put you on boards to talk about Narcanon. Yeah. Ray, if there was a message um, that you could give our listeners... <laughs> um, you know, like I, I like Steve mentioned before the podcast, we likely have some people who are addicted, but more more we have people in recovery and we have families and friends of people who are addicted. What would you what kind of advice would you give those people? Well, I would give them the advice of there's always hope that addiction is not a disease. It is not an incurable disease and it's not something that you have to control the rest of your life. There is hope to eliminate it permanently from your life and move forward and be a productive, happy person. I love that. I love that. When you were, when you were an alcoholic, did you, did you think it was something that there was no cure for? I did because, you know, like I had mentioned, I would go a year or more without right. drinking a drop. And then all of a sudden something would happen and I, and I couldn't figure out what Right. That would send me into that downward spiral. And without exception, I would wind up in a hospital. Right. And then, um, so I figured, okay, I'm going to have to, because, you know, I did some uh, some uh, 12 step meetings like AA. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that at all because I didn't want somebody telling me that I have some incurable disease and that I had to, you know, live my life 24 hours at a time for the rest of my days. I did not find that acceptable. And I found it so unacceptable. I figured, well, why, if I have an incurable disease, why don't I just keep drinking? Right. It totally takes And away so you hope. did. So I did. Yeah. Because not only does that take away a person's hope, it takes away their level of responsibility as well. Mm. And then, you know, when I learned that, when my friend told me about Narcanon, I talked to the executive director here. And, I mean, he was persistent. <laughs> he called me three or four times a day, every day while I was in the hospital. And I, I would watch, you know, I went to the website on the phone and I watched about the program. I said, okay, this looks real. 
this looks like it's something substantial and much more comprehensive than just doing a detox in a hospital and trying to go to AA meetings all over the place. Yep. And so, now you've been through it and you know that. But now I've been through it and I know it firsthand. It's very real. It's very tangible. Ray, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for all of the people that you're going to help with getting them into the Narconon program. And I think that the fact that you've come through it makes you even better at your job than you might be otherwise, than I would be because I haven't come through it. But um, anyway, just thank you so much for what you're doing. We appreciate you. No, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening today. Great story by Ray. Um, he is really on a roll and doing well and helping others. And so many of you who have been on our podcast, you come through it and all you want to do is help other people come through it. And that's huge. It's monumental. So thank you for listening. And we'll be back again with another interview next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.